My tagline for that, our, our theme loading up this, is that prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Okay? And my hope would be that, that we develop a rich prayer life with God because uh, unless we trust Him, we won't have the kind of faith that the centurion had. We won't be able to say, just at your word. And we talked about some of those disconnects that when we, we don't feel good in relationship, we don't trust, and, and we kind of led through uh, the Lord's Prayer of, of a new way to read through this, just reading through that, but talking about connecting to Him relationally and worshiping His name and breaking it down into components so it becomes more of, of just a reading or a, or a reciting, but it becomes, this is something that I do. I, I'm, I'm weaving this into the fabric of my life, and and I want to do that same thing this morning, but uh, I also want to tell you this, that prayer is something that it has to start as a, as a discipline, something you do whether it's really, whether it's really uh, fun or not. But I also hope that you'll move in your prayer life from a have to to a get to, okay? Because that changes everything in our heart from a have to, I'm pressured, I'm, I'm broke, I'm, uh, and I, I've come to my last end, and I'm, that's the... Uh, that's the last resort prayer, to uh, I get to pray. I, in fact, I find that there's so few people that actually enjoy prayer. It's like, it's almost like a chore, but he wanted it to be something that is mutually beneficial. You know, he really gets nothing out of this, but he wants a relationship with us, and then we get to reap. It's just, as we've said so many times before, it, it didn't said this morning, but that's the reality, just like with ties and prayers the same way. It's not something that we or God wants from us. It's something he wants for us. Tithing is something he wants for you, not from you. Praying is something he wants for you, not from you. He existed before we ever prayed. He can stand alone without our prayers, but you need the prayer life. You need to have the relationship. You need to have His touch and, and feel that He is working in your life and sense that what His Word is saying is bearing out with how you're living. So it's actually for us, not something that we're giving up, but initially, just like starting a, a health plan or a diet, it's going to feel like a discipline, but I can tell you that over time, it should become something that you look forward to something that you engage in, something that can be uh, vital to you because I'll tell you what, you know, the thing that keeps me praying is that we have such a big mission, we can't do it without God. I mean, if our mission is to reach the entire earth with the gospel, to lead other people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, I realize I can't do that by myself and I need God. You want to know why I need to pray more and more? Because our mission and vision is so big, we can't do it on our own. We need God to prepare hearts. We need God to set up appointments with people. We need God to flow through us. We need the Holy Spirit in us to be bold. And we can't do it on our own. That's why he said, hey, I'm giving you authority. I'm, I'm sending my word. I'm going to be with you through all this. So I hope that you understand that prayer should be your, your first response, not your last resort. And, and maybe you're a, a clinical or a logical thinker this morning. I would just say it like this. <clears throat> There's many people that get in trouble with their budget because they never prep for what could happen, right? You're doing okay now, but if there's ever a gap, if your alternator in your car ever goes out, if your washing machine ever breaks down, you don't have anything stored up to cover that, so now you're in a deficit. It, it can be the same way with prayer, is that you're just kind of going through the motions, but then something comes up and you're not prayed up. 
A big need comes and, and you don't have two weeks to fast and pray. So what if we pray on the front side and keep that relationship right so that we've got some prayer in the bank, so to speak, so that we're in good shape with Him. And it doesn't mean that our circumstances change at times, but it does mean how we view those circumstances change. My peace level through those circumstances change. My joy changes through those circumstances. My faith is built instead of broke through those circumstances, if you understand what I'm saying this morning. So I hope that this is something that we can understand that maybe we need to start praying before we need it. Before you get into trouble, and we talked a little bit about that last week, but I'm talking about even in, in our physical realm, what if we pray before we, before we whip out the credit card we pray, before we get into the relationship we pray, before we do fill in the blank? What if we prayed first? I believe our life not only would depend more on Him and it would be richer, but I also believe it would get us out of a bunch of the trouble that we create and then we later on ask God to help us when He's like, if you would have asked, I would have told you no in the first place. And it could have saved you all this trouble. And so I believe that we should pray first and then actually wait for a response, okay? And, and before I even get into this, I just want to tell you, sometimes people have learned wrong, or they've heard wrong, they've seen it modeled improperly. And I'll tell you what, what you need to do is ask what God's will is instead of telling Him your will and asking Him to bless it. Because usually what happens is we do something like this, Lord, this is what I'm thinking about doing, or Lord, I'm going to, and, and you don't even say, is this what you think I should do? Or you don't even wait for a response. You're just kind of telling him what you're going to do. And imagine if he said, hey, um, you might want to hold off on that. But Lord, you know I've, I've wanted that new bass boat. I mean, it's, it's a Luma weld. It's 25 feet long. It's got that nice big Honda engine in it, and it's got the covering for the, the horrible weather we've got around here. And I've worked hard. I've put in the overtime. Lord, and he's like, I, I know you want that, but you're going to be laid off next week. Now, he knows that, but you don't know that. <laughs> or sometimes it's just, wait. It's not a no. It's just, wait. And there's a reason behind it, because God cares for us. He doesn't want to tell you no, because he's just some vindictive God. Oh, I think I'll mess with her today. Yeah, no. But maybe if he really has our best hope and our best future in mind, if we listen to him, we keep ourselves out of these despairing situations where we're like, oh God, you got to help me. Well, I tried to help you last time we were praying about this, but you didn't ask, you didn't listen, you didn't. And so I want to encourage you to understand that prayer is a, is a dialogue, means two people are speaking, not a monologue, just you speaking, Right? Now, some of you haven't learned that. You just, and you're like, well, I don't hear anything from him. And I get that. It's a process. That's the discipline. But I would encourage you to start your prayer with the Bible in hand so that you see, because sometimes he guides us and leads us without an audible voice. All of a sudden we think, oh, a scripture comes to mind. Or you sense that you, something you read is like, oh, I never saw that before. That's still how God, quote, speaks to us. But we just don't have the verbiage. We can say led. We used to say 
unction, and that sounds kind of weird and kind of mystical, but there's nothing mystical. God wants to reveal His will to us, and He uses various ways to do that. Sometimes it's, it's another person, sometimes it's a song, sometimes it's His word, sometimes it's a dream, sometimes it's just as you're praying, all of a sudden where you started praying, you end up someplace else. That's just how God guides us. And there's no one set way for any set person for for the entirety of your life. He can move however he needs to. And sometimes he needs to give us a roadblock to get our attention. And so as I I unpack this today, I I hope that my words fall on uh, open ears. And so I want to pray that this morning. Something that, like Melissa used this phrase this morning, something that's been on her heart. as I've been teaching on Wednesday nights on the churches of Revelation, this phrase that Jesus himself keeps saying again and again, and, and I believe we've got a, a great church, we've got great people, but I'm telling you, we need to stop looking out there at what's happening and judge ourselves by it. We have to look at his word. It is our comparison. Nobody else, no other church, not our history, not our past. That's not our comparison. God's word is the comparison we hold to. And here's the phrase that he keeps saying, let the churches hear what the Spirit has to say. Let him who has ear hear what the Spirit says to the church. And he keeps saying that over and over again. And finally I said, I wonder why he keeps saying that. And then I realized, probably because the churches weren't hearing what the Spirit had to say. That's why I had to send this note saying, hey, you guys are messing up and you better fix this. If you had been listening to the Spirit, you would have corrected it before I had to send the letter. And so I want to tell you this morning that you need to hear what the Spirit has to say to you, not just to our leadership, not just to me as pastor, but what does the Spirit say to you for your life? for where you are in your relationships, for where you are in your finances, with your family, on your work. How is your, how is your emotions in check? How is your spirit being fed? Any of those questions, you've got to ask yourself, what would the Spirit say to me? And if you're not listening, maybe we need to stop list, start listening and stop talking at times in prayer. Now, it's tough because we as Americans hate silence. Uh, I showed that months ago, that we've got, you know, after about two seconds, we want to step in. See, that was about four seconds, and some of you were already uncomfortable. We have to be able to listen, because if I'm talking, I can't hear what the Spirit has to say. And so I pray this morning that the Holy Spirit would open your ears to hear on a different level this morning and that He would open your heart to not just hear it but to actually put it into action so that you develop a a life and a prayer that draws you close to God because he He wants you close. He doesn't think of you as some minions that He just wants to drive around and and, and nor to be fatalistic, well, God's going to do what He's going to do. We have an active role to play in our faith and the mission that God has placed us on this planet. And so I hope that maybe we can start to get in the habit of praying before we need it. Okay? Pray before we need it. And, and there's so many stories about how God prepares people through prayer before they get into something big, but uh, we don't have time for that this morning. So if you'll join me, Ephesians chapter 6 We're going to start in verse 10. And the 
the header over all of this is called the whole armor of God. And you've probably heard this or read this. And if you haven't, you can start reading your Bible. It's a good thing for you to do. It's a good practice for you to understand who God is. And so from the New Living Translation, he says this, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Now that's, that's enough to preach on for several Sundays, right? Where does your strength come from? You, your standing, your social status, what, where does your strength come from? Paul says, here's, here's a word for you. As I close this out, I want to be very clear. I want you to be strong in the Lord. Well, how are we strong in the Lord if we don't have a prayer life? How are we strong in the Lord if we're not aligned with His Word? How are we strong in the Lord if we're not being obedient people? That's a good question. That's for a whole different discussion. But notice that it, it shows us that He has mighty power. I mean, if He's the God that can raise from the dead, if He's the God that can form the planets, if He's the God that can save me from my sin and radically change my life, this is a God with power. Now, maybe you haven't experienced that God, and I hope this morning, maybe if you're uh, checking God out, you're trying to figure this out, you, or maybe you're coming back to church this morning. I don't know where you've been and where you're at, but I can tell you this. God is good. He doesn't always do what we want Him to do, <laughs> nor should He. But He is a mighty God. And if we will tend to trust Him, we will see how good and mighty He is in our lives. So, be strong in the Lord. Verse 11. Put on all of, the, all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. One of the uh, other translations says the wiles. The wiles of the devil. Now notice this. He's, he's telling us this in advance. Put on the armor of God so that when the enemy fights against you, you'll be able to stand strong. Maybe you're not in the fight right now. Maybe nothing's going on bad in your life, but he, notice what he says. I want you to take the whole armor of God so that when the enemy does fight against you, you'll be able to stand strong. Instead of feeling like all of hell's been unleashed on you and you've had one of those weeks, then you finally, after you've whined and wrote three pages on Facebook, then you decide you're going to pray. What if we pray up front before the attacks come? How about we actually stay prayed up? I know that's an old-fashioned word, prayed up. Uh, when I was in the service and times would come that we would have to get on all of our gear, not just our camouflage and stuff, but full combat gear, we used to call it getting jocked up. Go get jocked up because you put on armor, you put on uh, communications equipment, you're putting on ammo vest, you're putting on because you're going out to do something specific. You're not going to eat. You don't need to get jocked up to eat. But you know what's coming. You know there's a battle. And I'm going to be ready. I mean, think about that. Think about having all of that at your readiness. You've got it in the Jeep, got it in your Humvee, and you're driving around, you're driving through the battle, and it's not until you get shot at or shot that you start to put on your gear. I've been shot. Bring me my, bring me my body armor. Well, it's a little late. <laughs> hey, we're, we're getting shot. Somebody find the radio so we can call in some air support. Well, in the midst of the chaos, do you want to be doing that or do you want to have it strapped on, ready to go, tuned in? I would prefer that than the chaos of what can ensue. 
Look what he says. Take all of that so you will be able to stand and to stand firm. Verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemy. Now, for some of you, this is the, the biggest thing that you need to hear. There's a lot of components this morning. But people are not your problem. Church is not your problem. Your mom or your dad is not your problem. Your teachers, your coach, your boss, that horrible devil-infested mother-in-law, that is not your problem. It's not that they aren't a problem, but they're not your main problem. Because if God made people and God loves people, then our job is not to fight people. Our job is to fight the real battle. And when we fight people, we both lose. Right? You know this in a relationship. If we fight each other, we lose. It, somebody may be right and win the argument, but you lose. So he says we have to understand we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We are not fighting against people as our enemies, but against evil rulers, against authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now, for some of you, you're thinking, ooh, voodoo. Nope. This is right from God's mouth. He understands what goes on better than we do. Jesus understood this as well. The problem is we get caught up in the day-to-day, and as we deal with people, we just think that people are the problems. Instead, that there might be something orchestrated, that we're just playing this out. But if we take our eyes off the people and put it on the powers that be and how they're being used and guided, then maybe we begin to gain some ground. And he says, therefore, knowing this, isn't this funny, that knowing that we need to have the armor of God and knowing that people aren't our problem, but we have spiritual issues that we've got to deal with. Therefore, he gives the next instruction. Because the first time he says, take the armor of God. Make sure you take it all. Get it all assembled, right? Then he goes the next step. Okay, now you've got it. Now what should you do with it? How about you put it on? Now, as simple as that may seem, just like other parts of our life, we tend to lean heavily on the things we enjoy. You go to the gym, and I, I see this a lot. No matter what gym you go to, you're going to find people that are disproportionate, right? You go, and most women are working their butts, right? Got to get that butt small. I'm on the stair stepper. I'm only moving a mile an hour, but I'm going to do it for an hour, I'm on the machine. I'm on and all that stuff. And guys, they're over standing in front of the mirror with their shirt on and they're got to get big arms. Got to get a big chest. And then you look and they got little chicken legs, right? They, like, dude, I don't have to beat you up. I just kick you in the shins. It'll break. You're done. Because we tend to avoid the things that we don't like or our weak areas. Hey? Now, if you were born nice and skinny and you've got, uh, you already were born with like a set of abs, you're thinking, those are nice. And you work it, you know, you got a, a 15 pack. I mean, you're, you like that. But if you're like me and you're born with a natural covering of body fat and no matter what you eat or how hard you work, they don't show up, you're like, I'll just go with the keg. I'm okay. It's, it, it'll be there. But it's not something I enjoy doing. I'm not thinking, man, I, I just want to go and work out my abs all day. And for some of you, that's prayer. 
For some of you, it's Bible reading. For some of you, it's getting to church. For some of you, it's having a spiritual life. It's the part that you feel weak on. You've never been instructed. And so you tend to just leave it by the wayside. And yet he says, you need to put it on. You need to work at this. Don't just know that you've got it. How about you actually put it on? Put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to do what? Resist the enemy. Now, he told us who our enemy is, right? He already explained that. Resist the enemy in the time of evil. How will we know when the time of evil is? Notice that he didn't say, I'll show you when to get geared up. You know what he's telling you? Stay armored up. You don't know when it's coming. It can come out of the blue. It may strike you any place, any time. I've given you the armor. You stay armored up. Then you'll be able to resist when it comes against you. And after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Look at that. I didn't lose my ground. I didn't back up. I didn't cave in. I didn't stop. I didn't shift into neutral. I didn't go back to my old life, even though hell itself came against me. I stood firm. It doesn't mean that there won't be a fight, but it also means you'll still be standing when the battle's done. And for some of you, you don't think that there's a fight, and you're already the first casualty because of your brain. You're waiting for the bad stuff to come, or even worse, you're anticipating the bad stuff. Well, I'm just waiting for the next shoe to drop, and you're still not armored up. And God's Word is a good covering for you. It is a good weapon for us. It is good for our heart, our soul, and it's good for our future. Verse 14, look what he says. Stand your ground. And I want to be just a little bit blunt right here. It's time for us, uh, and I'm not talking about the rest of the world because I'm not really out there. I see statistics, but I know that Just like me, 42.8% of statistics are made up on the spot. But I know many of you, and I'll tell you this, it's time for you to get a backbone instead of a wishbone. Stand your ground. Quit backing up every time it gets hard. Quit jumping every time things get sticky. Quit giving up on God every time He doesn't do what you want Him to do. Quit focusing on people. And focus on your future and on your God. Stand your ground. Stand your ground when things get tough. Stand your ground to hold on to your marriage. Stand your ground over your kids. Stand your ground for your faith. Stand your ground. Yes, the world may hate you. Yes, some people may reject you. But in the end, God says that you will stand firm. And that's my question is, every time you back up, you're not standing firm. You're letting the world and its values... You're letting your friends, you're letting the cultural relevance of this time move you, and it's not moving you forward. It's not moving you forward. You need to stand firm. You're dealing with addiction, stand firm. Dealing with depression, stand firm. You got mess going on in your marriage? Stand firm. Because if both of you stand firm, you will see the end of the day and you will remain in relationship. 
but one of you slides, one of you runs, one of you bails, you'll never stand firm. School-age kids, college-age kids, where maybe you didn't see stable life, you've got to pick a place where you're going to stand firm. And I feel for what the world calls a millennial generation that grew up in such an uncertain time, an uncertain truth, but I'm telling you this, you need to pick out God's word that is true for you and you need to stand firm. Because every time the world changes, you change, you are on a sliding pattern up and down and all over the place, and that's not stable, and it's not sustainable, and it's not healthy. It's no different than a yo-yo diet. You're up, you're down, you're up, you're down, you're not getting any healthier. If anything, you're barely staying neutral. You need to stand firm. There is a God. There is faith. You can develop it. You may not be there yet, but you need to stand firm and not allow people and opinions to push you around. Now, I'm old enough now that I lived in the time before Facebook. Good God, how did you live? I lived in the time before internet and cell phones. Like, look around, there's many people shaking their heads and they're thinking, yep, and it was a better life. <laughs> and I believe we've got some incredible technology and some incredible tools at our hands, but the reality is people are still the same no matter what technology comes along. But I can tell you this, before there was Facebook, people poured out their hearts to God and to friends instead of a no-faced public that most of the people don't want to hear and don't know and don't care. What if Facebook went away and you had to pour out the problems of your heart? Why not pour it out to God who wants to listen and will actually help you through it? So the next time you decide, I'm going to write an open letter to that jerk that was two cars ahead of me in, in McDonald's, how about you save yourself some time and actually pray? Because the jerk ahead of you, two lines in McDonald's, isn't reading your Facebook post. It's your poor friends that go, oh my God, she had another one of those mornings. Pray. Pray first. Right? And the more places you're going to be with more people, you need to pray first because if not, we'll get focused on the people. Stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. And I'm going to stop right there for just a second. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ yet, it's okay. You don't, you don't have to believe everything I'm saying this morning. But I hope that sooner or later you will. And, and if you're not, if you've got questions, I'd, I'd love to talk to you about it. It took me a while to develop my faith. I didn't just all of a sudden believe. But if you haven't done that yet, it's impossible for you to put on the armor of God because you don't know what the good news is. You don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you are left without pieces of this armor because you don't have a relationship. And I encourage you, you need to start at least a relationship with Jesus Christ so that you'll be fully prepared. Notice that. That's the one spot where he says, you may, better make sure you've got this so you'll be fully prepared because the gospel is the hinge in all this. Verse 16, in addition to all of these, once you've got those main things taken care of, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil or the fiery darts depending on your version. Notice that. You've got the shield of faith, but it does you no good unless you're actually holding it up. 
our faith should be our defensive point. Our faith is what keeps us in the fight when we're getting the attacks, when we're getting those snide remarks, when we're getting poked at so that they don't hit us. So think about that. It's bad enough to get shot with an arrow. How about an arrow on fire? Now, if you're a logical person, you'll be like, oh, perfect. It causes the wound. Maybe, but think of the pain level. (laughs) And you're getting shot at all the time. How do I know when I'm going to get shot at? You keep holding the shield of faith. People are always going to say stupid things because they're just people. Keep up the shield of faith. The world is always going to misunderstand you. Keep up the shield of faith. Put on the salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So what he's really saying is this becomes everything we need. Now that may sound antiquated and old school, but I'm telling you, when we don't fight the right fight, we're already losing When we fight with the wrong tools, we're already losing. And he says, you take up this, and it will guide you on when to fight, when to stand, when to be quiet, when to speak up. This will help guide you. But if you don't do it, you're going to go by your feelings, by your emotions. And, And let's be honest, I've been there, you've been there, right? Have you ever got up in the morning, you haven't slept well, and maybe it's been a long night, and you're all ready for a fight? You're just hoping somebody says something. Now think about that. There's something twisted in us that does that. It's a perfectly beautiful morning, and I'm going to make sure I ruin my wife's day. I wake up. She says, good morning, honey. How are you doing? What do you mean by that? Do I somehow not look like I'm doing well today? No, I'm I'm not saying that at all. What, What is wrong? So now there's something wrong with me? I mean... This is how it goes. And what did she do? Nothing. She just asked a simple question that she's probably asked every day. But something in us is itching for a fight. Something in us is in turmoil. Something in us is hurting. Something in us wants to flare out at somebody so that we can feel better. And even for what I call seasoned Christians, I hear them say things like that. If I wasn't a Christian, I'd... Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Not the Word of the world, not some cultural advice, but the Word of God. And then notice what he wraps this up with. You've got all your armor. You've not only assembled it, but you are actually put it on. Now what's he say to do? Pray. And how often should we pray? Because you don't know when the attack's going to come. And it doesn't mean that you quit your job and become a professional prayer. (laughs) You can pray wherever you're at, no matter what you're doing. You can do it, right? Uh, I love, uh, I don't know if you've ever read any of his books, but a man by the name of A.W. Tozer, and he would say something like this. He's like, uh, I never pray more than 20 minutes. I'm thinking, man, here's a man that's written all these books and seems to have incredible spiritual knowledge. But he didn't, He didn't stop there. There's a comma there. I never pray more than 20 minutes, comma, but I never go more than 20 minutes without praying. 
Okay? Now, don't let this be a guilt factor or feel like there's some crowbar coming. I'm just telling you, if your prayer is uh, only at meals, you have a deficit in your prayer life. If your prayer is, oh God, get me out of this, I'll never drink again, you have a deficit in your prayer life. If your prayer is, oh God, keep my children from doing something stupid, you are a parent. But what if we teach our children to pray so that we don't have to be their defense? Because sooner or later, when they're 35 and you're kicking them out of the house, they're going to have to stand on their own. And if it's only been your faith, they're going to find out real quick that the attacks come, that the world isn't as bright and dreamy as they thought that it was, and we have to have a faith that will endure through tough times. This is just part of our Christian walk. Sickness comes, disease hits, debt comes your way, death and destruction and horrible people seem to be in our path and doesn't mean that our lives are ruined. In fact, it means our faith can be strengthened if we'll pray. But if our prayer is just some, something we recite to them, especially, please, if you're a modern-day parent, please don't do some of those wacko at bedtime. You remember those, if you're as old as me, that bedtime prayer for kids, that no wonder they don't want to pray. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. What's the next verse? You're putting this kid down for a nap, and you say, if I die before I wake, you want to know why kids don't want to take naps? <laughs> if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I mean, come on. Have you thought about how morbid that is? Hey, Whitley, before you go to sleep, I just want to fill your head with doubt and death. I hope you sleep well. <laughs> Pray in the Spirit. Why in the Spirit? Let the Spirit speak to the churches, right? We need to be hearing what the Spirit has to say to us at all times and on every occasion. How about we pray when things are good? Right? It's easy to pray when everything unravels. How about, Lord, thank you. Thank you for another day of sunshine. Thank you that I got up today and was able to get out of bed. And it keeps a relationship. You see what I'm doing? If not, we turn him into the helpline. That I only pray when I'm in a dire strait. I only pray when I'm desperate. I only pray when the, when the mess comes. How about I keep an ongoing prayer life with God? Good, bad, ugly, tough, wonderful, no matter what. See, that's the richness that he wants for our lives. And then he goes on to the next one. Notice what he says. I want you to stay alert. Don't be lulled to sleep. Don't be so distracted. And I want you to be persistent in your prayers for who? There's not just you in this fight. Have you thought about that? There's not just you in this church. Have you thought about that? There's not just you at your job, at your school, in that relationship. How about we begin to really have a prayer life that God would want for us that is others first? 
if he, if he promises to take care of us, then I'll take heed to his word, I'll get armored up, and I'm going to pray. But what if I'm praying for the people who don't even know they've got armor yet? What if I start praying for people that are truly in persecution? What if I pray for people that are going through the hell of their life today that I haven't even met? And it changes how we pray. And as modern-day Americans, most of our prayers revolve around us. And that's probably why we see so little result of our prayer life and why it comes to such an end real quick because pretty soon we're sick of telling God our prayers and He's not doing anything. Why pray if He doesn't fix anything? But your prayers span the heavenlies. They're not limited by distance or time. Your prayers can be making a difference to Christians and believers all around the world from wherever you're praying at. And for somebody that maybe you don't even have a face that goes with it, but God just inspired you to pray for. And it's not about us. It's not that you shouldn't pray for you, but Jesus taught his disciples to be others first believers, others first prayer people. And we've got to learn that as well. It will truly keep us from having the monologue because when it's just me first, it's just my talking to God. I'm not waiting for a response and there's no other person involved in this conversation. But when I'm others first, man, there's times where my heart gets burdened. And I wasn't even thinking about it that day. And I've had to learn this discipline that when I'm driving someplace or doing something and all of a sudden somebody's name or or their, their face comes to my mind, I pray for them because I don't know why I was thinking about them. I'm just praying for them. And maybe, maybe that's just me. Maybe I've, I've got a, a worm boring its way through my brain, but I'll tell you what. There's more times than not that I've been praying for somebody and I haven't had to call them and post it on Facebook and then I'll hear from them and I'll say, you know what? I've been praying for this week. Really? Yeah. And it started on and sometimes those things coincide <laughs> with a day that they wish they, they don't have to repeat. But if we don't, then you know what happens? Oh, you know, I was thinking about you this week. And we kind of stopped the end of the sentence right there. And what we really should have said is, I knew I was supposed to pray, but I didn't, so I hope it turned out good for you. I know this sounds like some undue pressure, but I'm telling you, there's nothing that can take the place of building a rich relationship with God like prayer Church can't do it. Small groups can't do it. Emotional and powerful worship can't do it. If you don't have a relationship that's based on a prayer life with God, it will begin to fall apart sooner or later. Pretty soon, there's not enough emotion in the worship to buoy you up through the day. Pretty soon, there's not enough good feelings at church to take care of you when you're in the midst of depression. There's not enough good small group people that are going to be there when your kids are acting like idiots and putting you through hell. There's just no way, but you've got a God that stands with you forever and is always with you and willing to fight for you, not against you. And nobody else on the planet can say that. But it's something that has to be developed and strengthened, and it always feels odd at first, just like anything. If you've never played golf, go grab a set of golf clubs and try to teach yourself how to do it. It's going to feel awkward. But you know what? You spend some time, you get some advice, you hear some counsel, 
Or even better, how about you surround yourself with some people that play golf really well that can give you some tips? We can do the same thing with prayer. But like I said, we have to be people that stop making prayer just a checklist. Yeah, it's, I have to do this to make it to heaven. You don't have to pray to make it to heaven. You have to have a relationship with Jesus to make it to heaven. Prayer is just one of the benefits that he's given us. But if your prayer life is small, it's either a warning sign you don't trust God and you really don't want him leading your life, or you just never learned, and that's why I'm sharing it this morning. I, I want to believe that every one of you has got a rich prayer life this morning, but statistically, the people I've met, there's a lot of people that pray, but many people don't enjoy it, and many people say, you know, I just don't know what to do. There's no one pattern I can teach you other than this. You've got to just start it and make it your own. You need to start talking to God and pouring out your, all that stuff that you want to share to a friend or on Facebook or social media. How about we share that with God? And slowly but surely, we'll tune our hearts and our ears and we'll begin to sense that he is very much involved and does care. But it takes time. It doesn't just happen like that. And I'm kind of thankful for that. Um, really quick, I ha- my salvation story is, is strange. I had a, what I call a, a, a pre-understanding of God way before I ever got saved. He intervened in my life audibly, at least to me. I thought it was audible two years before I got saved. I was in the midst of trouble. Uh, I knew cops were coming, and I heard from, I, I swear to you, I thought it was from the outside. It sounded like somebody just speaking loud. Aren't you tired of running? And I was drinking too much at the time, and I was looking around like, who's saying that? I must be <laughs> losing it. No light shone from heaven. That tragic incident didn't make me fall to my le- knees and give my life to Jesus. But two years later, in a church, listening to an evangelist that called an altar call, it said, you need to come to the altar, those of you struggling with this, that, and the other, and, and some of you aren't too tired of running. And it was like the Scooby-Doo flashback. It's like, that's the same voice I heard back there. But I didn't know what the voice was. <laughs> now I know it was the voice of God. And it took me two years to figure it out. <laughs> And so my hope is that it doesn't take you that long, that the sooner you get started, the sooner you begin to understand the voice of God, the sooner you understand the leading of the Spirit, the sooner that you can feel the comfort of one, one person, one three-in-one God, that you can tell anything, stuff you can't even tell your best friend or your spouse, stuff that you can't even verbalize because you're so hurt, you're so wounded, you're so confused, you're so messed up, you're... You don't have words for it, and we have the Holy Spirit as our helper that knows how to pray for us when we don't know how to pray. That's pretty awesome that he puts such a focus on that. You're going to come to a point, people, when you don't know how to pray, and I'm going to help you with that so you're not stuck. I've got the Holy Spirit. So here's how you need to gear up. Just some easy process here this morning. (coughs) Excuse me. Go back to the beginning. Let's remember who you're fighting against. Right? Remember who you're fighting with. You may think you're fighting with your wife or your boss, or you're not fighting with them. Right? 
People aren't the problem. And as soon as that shifts, all of a sudden, you've got more power, you've got more patience, you've got a better focus because you know you're not fighting the people around you. Remember who you're fighting with. Number two, take the whole armor. Don't just take the part that's easy, the part that's convenient, the part that you like the best. Number three, put on the belt of truth. We have to stand for, speak, and understand the truth. Many of our battles are based on a falsehood, and then we're fighting the wrong battle with the wrong people at the wrong time. If you actually knew what was true and prayed, God, show me the truth in this. Show me the truth of why this is happening. Show me the truth of who I am in you. Show me the truth of what they're saying, not just the words they're speaking, but show me the truth. All of a sudden, you get a different clarity. But you've got to start with truth because basing any relationship, basing any type of a, a, a attack or, or even a good thing on a lie will eventually become corrupt. And he starts with truth. Fourth, put on the body armor. You have to remember that as a child of God, you stand in His righteousness. It's not your abilities. It's not your rich prayer life. It's, it's His righteousness. And because of that, He is our protection. But if we don't have that relationship, we give that up immediately. And if you have a strained relationship, you're not sure He's there to protect you. And then you try other ways. One of the ways I see people protecting themselves today is they just stay out of relationships. Even if they have some sort of a relationship, they're just shut down. They only go so far. They've only got so much emotion. They, and we've, we're becoming more and more stoic because I'm not going to let somebody see me cry. I'm not going to let somebody into my private world and I'm not going to let anybody hurt me again. Remember that people aren't our problem. Moving on. Put on your peace shoes. This took me way too long to understand. My wife understands this so well. I'm an aggressive go-getter person, and my wife uh, can be in a different way, but she understands the value of peace. And peace is not just the absence of chaos. When I understand that the peace of God that goes with me is because, first of all, I am saved and God wants me to see other people as his children, then I have to determine who I'm going to go to battle with. And unfortunately, we battle people sometimes that are made in his image and we're damaging the children of God when we should be damaging the heavenly hosts that are opposing us when we're standing our ground, when we should be standing firm in Him instead of our way or some other thing. We have to think through it as peace. Is this person my problem? And how do I win them with peace? I've got to think through what's the peace of God. My mind has to be at peace. My, my heart has to be at peace. And then I make right decisions and, and I'm more clear in how I see and think. But in the heat of the battle, think about that. I mean, I could not understand her lifestyle when we first got married. She, when conflict hit and I began to ramp up and, and speak up and can't shut up and power up, she's shutting down. <laughs> and, and it drives her away. The more I push, the more I yell, 
the more I demand, the more aggressive I get. It doesn't bring her close. It pushes her away because I can understand peace. And it doesn't mean that we never fight. There, there's times that we have to have conflict. There's times where even arguing is healthy, but we have to learn how to do it peacefully. Peacefully. Hold on your shield. Our faith is our defense. We better make sure it is up and ready. Right? And I know it sounds like I'm picking a lot on people on social media, but if you're addicted to that stuff, you deserve it this morning. It's amazing to me the people that post this stuff and they write all this stuff and then they're so hurt when somebody writes something back. Dude, if you're going to go out there and put your faith out there and be going to criticize the world, expect the trolls to respond. You better have your shield up. Or if you don't have your shield up, just shut up and keep it to yourself. Then nobody's going to say anything in response. You just blasted everybody and then somebody says, well, I don't even think you're a very good Christian. Oh my God, this is a very good Christian. Well, what did you expect? Keep your shield up. It doesn't matter what they say about you. You don't even know that person. They're writing you from Taiwan. You've never even met them. Have your shield up. And it goes, ping. Well, that was kind of funny. (laughs) Hold your shield up. Cover your head. Notice what he said was covering our head. Our salvation. That means that we don't think and fight the way we used to fight. Right? I'm a child of God now. I've got salvation on my side. And not only am I guided by God's salvation, I want to see other people saved, and that's going to determine how I speak to them, how I think about them, how I see them. And that protects my mind against the confusion of what's being said. And, and, and I had to learn this. Is that, you know what? I don't have to respond to everything that's said to me. But growing up, I didn't know that. I thought it was a requirement. But thank God, and, and if you're struggling with that, did you know that as an American citizen, you have the right to remain silent? You may not have the ability, <laughs> but you do have the right. You don't have to respond. And it doesn't make you a doormat. It's so funny how I see people do that power up. We were watching the news last night and this thing went viral on social media that uh, some, some jerk had parked in front of a fire hydrant. The fire department broke out both of his windows to run the hose through. And immediately, you know, 20,000 views, 50,000 views, 200,000 views, and all the people commenting. And this one dude, he's got like this real tough profile picture. He says, says, I don't know the dummy that didn't do something about this. If they had tried that with my car, they wouldn't have got away with it. I'm thinking, what are you going to do? A, you're not at the car. All you would have done is come back and been an impotent jerk like, you guys busted my car. <laughs> yep, you parked in the red zone. How about a ticket to go with it? I mean, you're not going to get away with that with my car. So what does the fire department do? They go out of their way because this has gone viral and they post videos of what happens when they try to go around a car, how it kinks off the hose. And, and somebody would actually say, well, I don't care. So you don't care that the fire they're trying to put out can't get water because you parked illegally. It's the world we live in, folks. 
And our thinking has to be guided not by the cultural mess and the current that's going today. We have to think differently. We have to see differently. We have to respond differently as people of God. We need to remember who we are. Not our emotions, but who we are as Christ. And lastly, take the sword. Now, what's funny, and I've heard many people comment on this, and there's just nowhere in the Bible to, to talk about, but I think it's worth mentioning, is this, is there's no back armor. There's a breastplate, right, and a helmet. And, and I think the reality is it goes back to that first thing, stand firm, quit turning and running. <laughs> quit exposing your back. You stand firm where you're at. Take the sword of the Spirit. God's Word is good for us. God's Word is sharp and living. And when we speak God's Word, it's not our preference. It's not our thoughts. It's not our relativism. It is God's Word, and it's true. But it also has to be spoken in love, the Bible says. Not as a stick in the eye, but as a genuine attempt to bring you whoever you're arguing with, into right relationship with God and to restore a relationship, then we use that sword very differently. How about we use that sword to cut bondages? How about we use that sword to deliver people? How about we use that sword to defend people instead of killing people with the word? Last but not least, he says, have a prayer life. It's our vital connection at all times and every occasion through the Holy Spirit. We're not alone when we pray. We've got the Holy Spirit right next to us as we pray. We need to stay alert. We need to stop being distracted. We need to stop being disobedient. We need to stop being out of alignment with God's Word, or we can't stay alert. We're off looking at something else. And then we get sidelined, and we get surprised. And be, be persistent. This is for whoever, maybe you're starting this for the very first time today, I tell you, it's going to feel awkward. Be persistent. Just keep going. Just keep going. Keep going in your relationship. Keep going in your faith. Keep going in your prayer life. Don't give up so soon. And remember, it's not all about you. Even Paul noticed that. Don't just pray for me, but pray for all the believers everywhere. I know that's a lot to absorb this morning, but it's right there in his word that instead of just reading that passage and saying, okay, I got chapter 6 done, how about I read that passage and I, I begin to pray that, Lord, as I get up this morning, I need the belt of truth. The truth about who I am and who my coworkers are, who my fellow students are, who my spouse is, who my children are. Lord, I need faith this morning as I get going. I, I need I need protection against words and thoughts and actions that are going to come against me. Lord, I, I, need, your, I need your body armor. And Lord, before I go rushing off in a, in a fury or rushing off in, in my mess, Lord, I'm putting on my, not only my shoes of faith, but my shoes of the gospel of peace. I'm, I'm not going to declare war today. I'm going to walk in peace today. Lord, I'm not going to leave without my helmet that guides how I'm going to think and protects my mind against the attacks coming against me and, 
And I'm also going to go with the sword of the Spirit. I, I only know a couple verses, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put more tools in my arsenal. I'm going to make sure that I, I know God's Word, what, it, what it's for me and why, how I can use it and, and what it's all about. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. Lord, get me through this day. Lord, I'm going to pray for my coworker that's been bugging me. I, I want to pray for my boss who doesn't seem to care. I'm going to, instead of complaining, I'm going to pray. Instead of judging, I'm going to pray. And it'll change your world, church. It'll change how you interact with the people around you. It'll change you from a, man, I am so pissed this day is just to a, man, it was one of those days, but I got to come home. Nobody died. God is still good. Or you can fume about it for several days over something you really can't control. I'm going to ask if you'd stand up with me this morning. Just to be clear, use.